Well, good morning, Grant Nets Pastor Rob. Great to see you today. Um, I've been watching this show on Amazon lately. It's called Bear Grylls Eco Challenge, uh, the world's toughest race or something like that. And what it is is a group of, near as I can tell, 50-some teams of people that are doing this crazy trek across Fiji, the Fijian Islands. And they are boating and they are climbing and they are biking and they are falling and they are breaking things and they are freezing and they're doing all kinds of craziness just to be complete this race. For some, the victory is to just complete this race. For some, the victory is to win the race. And I, and I, I think to myself, I wonder how much time and energy people have put into doing this and doing it well. Right? How much have they invested of themselves? How much have they sacrificed? How much have they given up in order to win a race? In order to win a race. And I think that partially because I think to myself, why in the world would you ever do that? Why would you purposely subject yourself to trying to survive what is in many ways an insurvivable uh, series of events unless you're prepared, equipped, trained, and ready to go. Why would you subject yourself to that? And I think you're crazy. You've lost your mind. And then I remember that although I have never done anything like that, there are certainly things in my life that if I decide they're important or I decide I want to accomplish them, that I'm willing to give everything I've got to get it done. Um, I see it all the time in others too. You know, in, in sports, we pour everything we are into. Professional athletes are, are just amazing in what they're capable of doing, but they pour every ounce of who they are into that. They pour all their time, they pour their energy, their efforts, their talents, their gifting, their skills. They pour it all into trying to achieve these goals in the athletic field. Maybe, maybe it's in the, 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 your business life. Maybe, maybe you're pouring yourself or people pour themselves into that. I certainly have been guilty of that where I, I poured hours and hours and hours a week uh, and all my time and energy and truly at the sacrifice of other things in my life in order to pursue a career, pursue the goals that were upon me there, the things that I was trying to achieve. And some of those things may have been about trying to achieve status. Some of those things may have been trying to achieve greater financial stability. Um, some of those things may have been about trying to achieve the safety and security of knowing that you know, my bosses liked me and liked what I was doing and doing it well. And I knew I would be there for a while because make, make no mistake, that's about pursuing safety and security. And the truth is, I think that we are all um, chasing something like that. We are all pursuing something, a goal we're trying to achieve, something we're trying to accomplish, a place we're trying to get to. And we invest our time and our energy in getting there. And when we're not able to get there, when we feel like we've put in everything we've got and it's still not working out, we get really, really frustrated. 
Why is all that? Why do we feel like we have to try to achieve things? And, and why do we feel like we need to accomplish things? And, and why do we get so angry and frustrated when we don't accomplish the things that we've set our mind to or that we wanted to accomplish? And why, if we haven't accomplished those things and we feel like it's repeatedly this cycle of I'm trying to get there and I just can't, I'm spinning my wheels, why do we get so down on ourselves? Because there's something that something gets so down on ourselves that we just can't, we almost can't function, right? We get depressed or we, we, look, for, we look for things to, to invest our purpose into, that, that, that desire to chase something, to make something happen. We, we invest in that. I think that Jesus picked young people as, as his first disciples, as his first apostles. He picked younger people because when you're in your 20s and 21, 22 years old and your late teens even, you have this desire to change the world, right? This desire to pursue something, to make something happen, to find a greater purpose and to make an impact that will last beyond our days, right? You have desire to do that. And then as we get older, that changes. Our, our, our pursuit, that thing we're chasing, stops becoming changing the world and starts becoming things like safety. We're chasing safety and security and stability. And, and when we're not able to get those things, we get angry and we get frustrated. But those are all indicative of, of the fact that we chase something. Very few of us go through life without having some kind of goals. Now, we may have set them aside at some point because we just realized we aren't going to get there. I mean, shoot, when I was a kid, a, a teenager, and all the way through college, I was praying. I was going to do like a David Robinson thing. David Robinson was a, a center in the NBA. <laughs> I know, you're laughing already. But <laughs> when he entered college, he was only 6'2". Again, I know you're laughing. But he was 6'2", and a guard. And he grew between... His freshman year and his senior year of college, he grew from 6'2 to 7 foot tall. I, all the way through college, thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull a David Robinson. I'm going to grow. My dad's way taller than me. My uncles are way taller than me. What's going on? My brother is taller than me. It never happened. And I had to give up on that, on that being taller, that chasing that goal, playing basketball, because I love basketball. And that would have been like a dream job for me to get to play it for a living. One going to happen. Certainly not something I didn't beat myself up over, but, but there are have been things, career goals I had in my life where I chased it. I wanted it really bad and couldn't, couldn't quite get it, that promotion that I wanted or that opportunity I wanted or that job that I really wanted. And I think especially in my 20s and 30s, I think I put way too much, way too much, into chasing those kinds of accomplishments and chasing those things as though those were going to give my life meaning, as though those were going to be my purpose. And then I, I, I read a quote by Howard Hendricks. It says, your career is what you're paid for, but your purpose is what you're made for. The purpose is the reason we are here, right? Why? am I here? What am I here to do? And I think that's the driving force is that deep down inside, we all know we have a purpose. We all know we have a grander meaning. We want it too, but we know we have it. We know it's there. And I personally believe it's because God put it there. 
he says that we were made in his image. We were made with this sense of eternal things, of things grander than 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 our moment in time, the time we are here in this world. That that though the things we invest in may have value in the moment, there are things that we can invest in that have value in eternity. And that's that's where our purpose is found. That's where our mission is found. And over the next four weeks, what we want to do is try to answer the question, why are we here? I'll give you a sneak peek. It's about pursuing the things of God, pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ, pursuing Christ-likeness, growing in our lives, the way we honor God, the way we live, and making disciples of all nations. That's kind of where the circle kind of completes itself, right? That is our purpose. That is who we are and what we are intended to do. And the truth is, all the other things we invest in, literally all of them, are going to fall short of meeting that purpose in and of themselves. Does that mean they don't have value? No, that's that's not what it means at all. But it does mean that if we're deciding what we're going to be chasing, if we're deciding what we're going to lean into, we have to be very cognizant about the fact that we are designed with one set of purposes that sometimes our own personal desires are at odds with and they don't match up with. The book of Ecclesiastes is, is some say, written by Solomon in the final years of his life. Some say is written by someone making fun of Solomon and all of the things that he chased that were useless to him. If you know his story, he was the richest man to ever live and the wisest man to ever live. In fact, he asked God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. And as we read through Ecclesiastes, and I would encourage you to do that this week, by the way, to kind of calibrate ourselves to the point of purpose and mission and and remind ourselves those things that we chase that have nothing to do with God really are of very little value in comparison. But he gets to the end of his life and he recognizes all the things he chased didn't matter. He starts Ecclesiastes with a poem. I'm going to read it real quick. It's Ecclesiastes 1 verses 1 through 11. And it's, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. And it goes like this. It says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, Absolute futility, says the teacher. That's a great way to start a book, right? Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility, everything is futile. What does it gain a person for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? What are you investing in? What are you doing? What are you putting all of your hard work into? And and is it really the stuff that matters? Is it really the thing that matters? Or is it just a waste? It says in verse 4, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. All of these things that we're investing in, that we're doing, that we're trying to achieve personally will probably be forgotten after we're gone. But there are eternal things, right, that will remain beyond that. Let's keep going. Verse 5. The sun rises and the sun sets. Panting, it returns to the place where it rises. Gusting to the south and turning to the north. Turning, turning goes the wind. And the wind returns and it cycles. All the streams flow to the sea. Yet the sea is never full. Interesting. 
the, the, all the streams, it's true, all the streams flow to the sea, and yet the sea never reaches this point where it's full, where it's complete, where it's done, where it's fulfilled, almost fulfilled its purpose, right? It says, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, they flow there again. Everything in life has a cycle. It comes back again and again and again. All of these earthly things that we hold on to. I don't know about you, but I've certainly been in seasons of my life where I felt like I was chasing something, something good, something wonderful, only to find myself knocked back down and to have to chase it yet again. To think I've, I've reached the goal, a career goal, or I've reached a family goal, or I've reached a relational goal, or I've reached a level of wisdom or knowledge, scriptures are certainly like that for me. I went to, to seminary thinking if I can just learn enough about Jesus, then I'm, I've, I've hit the mark and I'm ready to go do everything I've needed to do. And it was a real shocker to me to figure out that that was just the beginning, that learning more about the Lord and what he desires for us was just the start of the journey. I was naive enough at 40 to think, oh yeah, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it all down. It's going to be all good. How naive is that? I mean, I know you're watching this saying, you've got to be kidding me. You didn't think that? I kind of did. I kind of thought it was the answer. And what I recognized, what it was, it was just a drop in the bucket. That I'm chasing something so much greater than I could have possibly imagined, right? That, and for a moment in time, I felt like, oh no, I've got to start over again. I've gotten to where I thought I was. I needed to be only to realize that the whole cycle is going to begin again and I have to learn again. And then, then I figured out that was the beauty of chasing God. That there's, there's always someplace else to go in gaining our understanding of him. There's always someplace else to go, another step to take in our relationship with him. Yeah, it begins with trusting Jesus, but this process of transforming into Christ's likeness, of honoring God with every moment that we have, of pursuing him is, is so amazing compared to anything else, any other goal that I could have ever chased because every other goal has limits. Every goal has limits. There's a ceiling that says, this is as far as you can go. If you are trying to be an athlete, everyone has athletic limits. Yes, you can push them. Yes, you can stretch them. But there's a, there's a reason why people have found it so difficult to run the 100 meters in under 10 seconds, right? Very few people, a handful of people have done that. And only by a little bit. Because there's an athletic limit, even for the most gifted of athletes. But there is no limit in what we can do in pursuing God, chasing him, because he is limitless. So let's keep going. It says, all things, are, verse 8, all things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Solomon, this man who had so many opportunities to experience so many things in life, again, had all the money he could ever wanted, had all the power and influence he could ever wanted, had all the relationships he could ever wanted. The man had 300 wives. I don't even know. I don't even, I don't even know where I would go with that. 300 wives, 700 concubines. He conquered nations. He built temples. Incredible things happened for him. He had the ear of some of the most influential people in the world. They would come to him for wisdom, right? He had their honor and he had, he had all kinds of capacity to make changes, to help people grow, to invest in others, to do incredible things. And yet, and yet 
Solomon at the end of his life or somebody making fun of Solomon, whoever it is, saying, you can see all you want, you can hear all you want, but that's not going to solve your problem. Chasing experiences is not going to get you to fulfilling that purpose that you were made for. It, too, is futile in and of itself. Verse 9, it says, What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. It sounds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Can one say about anything, look, this is new. No, it has already existed in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after. There, is, there will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. It's hard to admit the notion that our time on this earth is limited. We try not to think about that. And we try to think that the things we are investing in, whatever we've chosen to invest in, whatever we've chosen to be passionate about, will leave a lasting mark, will leave a legacy. But the, the, Solomon has figured out, right? And if we look at the history of the people of God, we know that Solomon was the last king to unite Israel. He was all that he built, all that he put together, all that he achieved, all that he learned, all that he understood, most of it lost within a generation, gone, gone. And so we have to ask ourselves, if we're investing in things, we're chasing things, are we chasing things and investing in things and trying to grow things that will probably be gone in a generation? Or are we chasing and investing in things that will be here for good because forever? Because that's, that's what our Lord is. He is always and forever. He is the Alpha and Omega. He was here before time began and he'll be here after it ends. And he is that one thing in all the universe that will not change, that will not go away. And so it seems prudent to ask myself, if I want to leave a legacy that will last forever, right? If I want to invest in something that will not be futile, if I want to chase a dream that matters, if I don't want to look back on my life at the end of my life and say to myself, what did I spend my time doing here? It seems to me that the thing I need to chase is God. The thing I need to chase is that eternal peace. God's presence, God's life, the creator of all things. And the funny thing is, that is what we are meant to do. We are built to chase him. From the book of Genesis on, we see this story of, of the Lord moving with his people, trying to work with his people, calling them to a singular purpose, and that's calling him back to him. Calling them back to where they were intended to be all along. And to do that, to remind us of that, to make us pause for just a second and take notice. He does something amazing about 2,000 years ago. He sends his son to die for us. 
you know, it's, it's, it's ironic as, as we're, we pour all of who we are into everything but God sometimes. Again, sports, careers, experiences, whatever we want to call it, relationships. We, we chase all of these things. It's ironic we pour ourselves into it when Jesus was willing to come and pour out everything he was for us. I've tried to, to keep um, the sermon today kind of short because what we're about to do is go into something we call communion. I mentioned it at the beginning of service. And, and it is a time when we are called to stop and remember what he has done for us. Remember what he has poured out. And over the next few weeks, I hope we will ask ourselves what we're pouring into and whether or not we're pouring into things that really matter or if we're going to get to the end of our lives, just like Solomon says and says, absolute futility, everything is futile. I don't want that. And I bet you don't either.